Jingophilia. Hello, fellow Anglophiles, and welcome to Anglophilia. I'm Kaylee McMahon. I'm Stephanie Callis, and we are back today talking about a little show called Chewing Gum. Yum, yum, yum. Applause, 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 applause. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, yes, stop applauding so we can continue. We know we're back, and we know you love us. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) All right. Um, (laughs) Chewing Gum is a semi-autobiographical British television sitcom set in London. It ran for two seasons and first debuted on E4 in October of 2015 and in the US on Netflix in October of 2016. It was written by, created by, and stars Michaela Cole as Tracy, a 24-year-old virgin who lives in the Tower Hamlets in London along with her evangelical mother and sister. The show follows Tracy on her unabashedly desperate and strange and often gross quest to not only lose her virginity, but to also fight her way out of her working class life in the Tower Hamlets and build something of her own. The show is based on a play written and performed by Cole titled Chewing Gum Dreams, which she staged during her final year at the Guildhall School of Music and Drama. She staged additional performances of Chewing Gum Dreams at an independent theater in Hackney before it was picked up and expanded into a series. Cole won the BAFTA for Best Female Performance in a Comedy Program in 2016. And the series also stars John McMillan as Ronald, Robert Lonsdale as Connor, Tanya Franks as Mandy, Danielle Issey, I apologize if I've butchered that, as Candice. Uh, listening. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but if she is, we love you. You're great. Uh, Kadif Kirwan as Aaron, Susan Wakoma as Cynthia, Shola Adewusi, I apologize, as Joy, and Maggie Steed as Esther. So I know that I first watched this show the morning of, I believe, an office Christmas party in 2016. I woke up super early that day, not by choice, and then I was just kind of looking through Netflix, and I found this... And what struck me was just the digital little image of Michaela Cole's expression. I thought, okay, who's Mm -hmm. this woman? And then it said, blah, 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 British. And I'm like, oh, click it. And Mm -hmm. I knew nothing at all about it. And the pilot opening on Tracy and Ronald just praying. And we learn that they are boyfriend and girlfriend and they are celibate and that Tracy is not happy about it. And she's this 24-year-old virgin, and she's having the daydream of just attacking him and licking (laughs) his face and straddling him while they're praying. I went, oh, been there. (laughs) Not the praying, but the uh, old-ass virgin bit for show. (laughs) Yeah, and not the gay boyfriend, right? Not well, I mean, we've had, we discussed this a little bit in a coupling episodes. I've never had a gay boyfriend, no. Oh, shots fired and accepted happily. <laughs> I've never had a gay boyfriend, but I did have a Catholic boyfriend. Oh, oh, that's right. Wait, Pat? A, my high school boyfriend was Catholic, and Catholics are fantastic at finding loopholes. Is that a euphemism for a bum? Dude. I mean, it's one letter off. Uh, it's more like uh, you can loop the hole. Ooh. 
Not that whole. <laughs> Eating ass wasn't in vogue in the early 2000s. You keep saying that. It's not like it's a practice that was invented this decade. Like, it's been cave people I did not did say invented. I said in vogue. A la mode. Maybe more people are talking about it now, but I don't think that it was any It less... wasn't in the fashion. Yeah, I know, I know, but I still think that it was... Straight people. I don't, I don't know. I think that it's just the idea that talking about analingus is now... I don't want to boldly say socially acceptable, but less shocking than it would have been even maybe five years ago. Like, that's something that I'm noticing, and I think that's kind of worth paying attention to, because I don't know when that started. All right. Do you not find that? Well, I just feel like you've made several references on this podcast about how eating ass is au courant, and I didn't, I just wasn't aware of, I guess I don't have my, my finger on the pulse as uh, as much as you do. Oh, eating ass is au courant. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> well, with that, <laughs> we're getting off to a great start. <laughs> Um, yeah, okay, let's let's talk about the characters. Like you said, it opens with Tracy and Ronald. Yes. I, I want to talk about Ronald right away because there's not very much to him, whereas Tracy we could talk about for a whole episode and we will get back yes. to her, but Ronald is awful. It's not just that he's Christian and afraid of female sexuality to the point that he makes Mr. Bean look like Lord Flashheart. Like, he's really repulsed. He throws Tracy out of his house when she tries to seduce him in her underwear. He's really mean. Oh, yeah. And then even once he does come out of the closet, he remains just an irredeemable jerk. He's one of those gay men who doesn't see women as people. And because he doesn't want sex from them either, he just doesn't see them as anything. And there's a lot of internalized racism. Mm. Tracy is in real life, as in the show, first generation. Her mother's African and she's, you know, very beautifully, but very dark, dark skinned. Mm -hmm. And it's not the kind of person you often see represented on television. So mm -hmm. A plus there to channel four. But yeah, Ronald is, you know, also black, but he's much lighter skinned. And he says mm -hmm. a lot of things about her facial features that are like, ooh, okay, geez. And yeah. The, yeah, a lot of internalized racism. Yeah, a lot of colorism. Ronald, which is at turns horrifying and like, yeah. whoa, this is so strange. I'm going to <laughs> make a face. Yeah. That's a lot of my reaction to this show is like, okay, never seen that on TV. Yeah, Not sure how I'm handling it. The tone of this whole show is very over the top. I mean, it's not, you know, a sitcom that's filmed in front of an audience. But despite that, the show, it, it does make some very smart points, I think, about, say, racism or sexism or, or virginity and purity. But it doesn't really go deep in the sense of allowing the characters to have more than one side to them. Except for Tracy, I think. No, I, I would agree with that. Everybody else, you don't really see anybody change or surprise you you see cynthia kind of go on a bit of a journey that's transformational but she's always acting like cynthia yeah i guess she would be the only other person that does anything by the end that she would never dream of doing at the beginning so should we talk about tracy i love tracy so much i love tracy i she's, love tracy she's the best part of the show which is good because it is a show that is about her she talks to the camera and I think that it's important to mention up front that we're going to be tempted to compare it to Fleabag, but it's important to remember that this came first. Yes. By like a year. In America, it was available after. So yes. I, of course, saw Fleabag first. There are similarities, but I think that also they're so different that it doesn't really make sense to compare them, except for like, it's very much from the point of view of one young woman and she talks to the camera and it's a lot about sex, but it's sort of opposite ends of it because we've got a virgin who doesn't lose her virginity until the very last episode and a sex addict, basically. So 
it's sort of two sides of the same coin. Yeah, I was thinking, I do feel like Tracy and Fleabag could meet by accident and end up having an incredibly empathetic, no-holds-barred, disgusting conversation about everything they've ever thought and done, and that it would be wonderful. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But I can't compare the two shows really beyond talking to the camera and going to places where you're like, oh, fuck, all right. Yeah. (laughs) You go, ladies. (laughs) Actually, the tone of the show, it reminded me a little bit more of Crashing, actually. And then it was funny because the stars from Crashing does have a a guest appearance in this. But actually, oh, I just thought of... Just comparing the character of Tracy to the character of Fleabag, it made me think of what you had said about gimme, gimme, gimme and girls. So hold on here. I think that chewing gum is to Fleabag what gimme, gimme, gimme is to girls. Do you agree with that? It's sort of like the sort of wackier parallel universe cousin. Does that make sense? Wacky parallel universe cousin I can see. But I do think that with Gimme Gimme Gimme, it was a little bit more exact in that it was like, this could potentially be Hannah the and actual Elijah's characters. show. Yes, I see what you're saying. <laughs> but, but I do, I do hear you. see you. what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. But you were yeah. saying about Tracy. You love Tracy. Oh, I well, Tracy. she's she's so, I mean, we mentioned her face is just so wonderful. And you mentioned that she won a BAFTA. And I think that's so well earned because she has so much range as a performer and she's so funny. It's something that I feel like we mentioned about a lot of the stars of the shows that we talk about on this podcast, but particularly women, because mentioning a woman's looks can be so touchy and political and especially a woman of color. But like, We should state it at the top. She's really, really gorgeous. And she uses her face to such wonderful comedic effect because she doesn't, I guess, identify as gorgeous or rely upon being gorgeous. Like my first big laugh is in the first episode when she decides she's going to seduce her horrible Christian boyfriend, Ronald, and she asks her best friend, Candace, to give her a makeover. And then Candace is trying to teach her how to do come to bed eyes. And so Candace does this really sexy kind of like, ooh. And then (laughs) Tracy tries to imitate her. And she's got these horrifying blue contacts in. Her hair is all blonde and this like bright magenta lipstick. And she, her smile goes so wide. It reminds me of, you know, the the sexy lady gremlin from the end of Gremlins 2? Yes, I do. She makes that face. I don't know how a human could turn her face into that, but it's a crazy skill. And I was really impressed. That struck me too, was like, this is is a performer who knows how to manipulate every part of her physicality. She could be like model striking like with those eyes and the way that she can just like tilt her face like that that Mm -hmm. angular beautiful face and her bod is like incredible every time she strips down it's always for comedic effect but I'm like hello (laughs) but the way that she knows like I am going to make my beautiful lips look like I'm the lady from gremlins and I am going to you know the way that she's the female Rick Mayo she is the female Rick Mayo okay you nailed it you nailed it right all right I love that. I love She's that so much. naturally beautiful, but makes her face into rubber and we love her all the more for it. Yeah. And that's something that we don't get to see from a lot of, you know, lady comedians. Mm-hmm. So bravo. No vanity is, is fantastic. Like, hell yeah. I love the character too, because even putting aside Michaela Cole's wonderful comedic chops, the character is so irrepressible. She's very insecure and awkward in some ways, but also she's constantly saying like, oh, I look like Beyonce. You know, she she has a sort of deluded confidence that is very endearing. 
again, almost like in a Linda LaHue's way, except that she's not wrong to the same degree that Linda LaHue's is wrong. <laughs> That's you know true. what I mean? That's true. And also she has a really fun dress sense. Like we were talking last week about how we love Maggie's wardrobe on extras, but like fuck Maggie's wardrobe. I love Tracy's, all of those bright colors and animals and everything. It's interesting because she's a virgin and she's very sheltered. She clearly didn't get a lot of sexual information from her mother. So she's had to sort of learn it through the grapevine of her peers. And so she's very innocent in some ways, but then also she does so many disgusting things in pursuit of losing her V-card. And she dresses not quite like a child, but kind of like a child. And she's got these two braids, almost kind of pigtails. Like, it's not to the point of like a gross Britney Spears baby one more time kind of thing, but the way that they dress her character, you see that she's got a definite childlike innocence about her that she's trying actively to lose. Well, you know, we're using the word virginity, and you and I were both raised secularly when you and I say virginity we just mean like oh someone who hasn't had intercourse yet we don't think Mm -hmm. about purity or your value or your likelihood of finding a life mate based solely on the fact that you have a hymen intact Mm -hmm. we're not thinking about any of the gross history behind that word or what it means but when Tracy finally starts yelling at Ronald about how they've been dating for six years she says we haven't done anything but she means not even kissing she means absolutely freaking nothing and then on top of that her mother joy is actually an evangelist she is outside with a megaphone talking to the people walking by in this working class area of london yelling at them about hell and eternal damnation and i'm going to save you and she mm-hmm. you know she actually has these beliefs and she can be very um mild-mannered around tracy mm-hmm. but there is the occasional reminder that no, 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 this is this is unsafe. Like there's this kind of ever present threat mm-hmm. of um, actual punishment for stepping out of line. It never goes full on dramatic at all or emotional. But there is a later episode to jump ahead a little bit where Tracy does get kicked out of the house and mm-hmm. she's very brave to admit to her mom you know, I've been seeing a boy. Her boyfriend, Connor, is white, which is also a, a bone of contention for her mother. Mm-hmm. And she tells her mother all of this stuff, honestly, because she's been hiding it for so long. And there's the tease of at first her mother is very empathetic and says, thank you so much for telling me. But of course you can't live here anymore. Mm-hmm. And you kind of go, oh, shit, we've been distracted by, you know, how funny it is that a 24-year-old virgin is desperate to lose her virginity. And you kind of have this reminder of like, oh, and this is why she's been doing it in really weird ways. She knows nothing of the world because she actually has been cooped up by somebody who speaks in tongues and Mm -hmm. tries to cure people's illnesses with the power of God. Yeah. yeah, And Michaela Cole really did grow up in a Pentecostal household. Wow, I did not know that. That makes so much sense now. (laughs) Yes, I heard her talk about it on RuPaul's podcast. So you can turn your life around and come to the light. (laughs) (laughs) It's interesting because, as you said, you and I were both raised secular and we were slightly later in life virgins for a while just for our own fears and hangups and insecurities or just lack of luck. And yeah, even though I never believed in hell or believed in the concept of virginity as far as it being something precious that gets damaged or the idea that a woman who has been sexually used is damaged, like chewing gum like it's a fucking disgusting horrible patriarchal remnant that i'm really appalled is still being upheld even though we should know so much better by this point but the truth is that sex is dangerous and i don't mean to sound like 
you know, sex negative and like a crazy prude, but like there are consequences. And if you happen to be an already sort of anxious person who always theorizes the worst case scenario, you are going to be fucking terrified of pregnancy and STDs. And that is something very real that did probably prevent me from having full on penis and vagina sex earlier <laughs> like I mean I'm, I'm just saying like I would have I probably would have done it in high school if I were sure that I could not have any real world this life not afterlife consequences yo we are gonna go here I'm gonna shut my front door <laughs> okay is that a euphemism living in a guest house on someone else's property I heard my landlord open that side door and so I would hate for my sweet landlord to just be like innocently gardening and having to listen to any of this. So Fair enough. That's, you know, not because I fear judgment, but because it's this is his property, and if he wants to, you know, prune his kumquat bush, hold on. Oh, oh my god, god, Stephanie, you are just making this so There is a kumquat bush. <laughs> prune his kumquat bush. Was there ever a more apt euphemism for pubic grooming? I don't believe there is. <laughs> my god all right but wait so what i was saying was about the idea of consequences and you know people who don't have a comprehensive sex education are misinformed a lot about what those consequences are and there's one moment in an early episode where she and her new boyfriend connor have been dry humping and then she maybe gives him a hand job and i think he comes on her leg and so she goes to the pharmacy to get the morning after pill and he says like so did did you use a condom and she said no i didn't even have sex and he's like this is for women who have had sex but she's so freaked out she then goes to see this witch doctor who lives on her block who gives her diet coke and anusol yes. to try to cure her of her not really pregnancy pregnancy i loved that episode yeah because you know i invented so many pregnancy scares when i was much younger and had not actually had penetrative sex let mm -hmm. alone unprotected penetrative sex like i, I <laughs> like i remember asking our mutual friend veronica once you know she knew that i was a quote virgin and we were sitting in her parents house her parents were away we're just talking and there's a lull and like my period was three days late mm -hmm. and i had convinced myself oh no what if and i asked her hey, um, can you get pregnant if... And she just goes, no. Like, she just cut me off and said, <laughs> no. And I'm like, no, but she's like, Steph, you don't even have... No. No. <laughs> it was amazing because she didn't shame me and say, no, you idiot, you haven't mm -hmm. even had sex, but she just went, no. And it was awesome. Now, mm -hmm. that doesn't mean I didn't then subsequently have, you know, other, oh no, what if, because I put my underwear back on inside out. Oh God. You know, that, that kind of stuff. That was, Wait, that... did someone come on the outside of your underwear that wasn't you? <laughs> no one actually even did that, but I okay. did put my underwear on inside out. and You know, all those airborne sperm all over the place. I'm sorry. I shouldn't be shaming younger you right now. I just oh. find that really adorable. It is adorable, which is why I really was so charmed by Tracy, too, is that yeah. it's like she has a lot of information that, as you said, is correct. You know, mm -hmm. penis, sperm, vagina, mm -hmm. pregnancy. And she therefore thinks like, oh, sperm near vagina 
it only takes one ooh mm-hmm. scary you know scary stuff yeah. and then goes running to the pharmacy but the witch doctor scene is amazing the witch doctor that like meets her in a storage unit mm-hmm. and you know sells her a diet coke and hemorrhoid cream mm-hmm. like a preparation h yeah. kind of thing and it's you know rub this on your stomach and then take a certain amount of sips and you see tracy preparing to do this ritual and she's got posters of jesus and posters of beyonce and she prays to all of them mm-hmm. before doing the ritual and then moments later she gets her period mm-hmm. which it's like okay cool there's period blood in this show shout out and also mm-hmm. Ugh, that's really realistic looking <laughs> and you know the way that she says you've got to have faith yo <laughs> like into the camera and then yeah. her friend laughs at her and her friend's like you got your period because your period, period was, was due, due bruv <laughs> was due bruv <laughs> I, love, I, love I did Candace. but yeah i mean there are icky places the show goes that i don't love as much but when it goes to icky embarrassing like you stupid virgin places i kind of go yes thank you i feel less stupid about my stupid adolescence now completely because i mean you know if you and i are identifying with this so much clearly many other people particularly people with maybe more religious upbringings than ours will definitely see themselves in in her charming naivete um wait what are some gross moments that you didn't like god i mean i wonder if corporeal is even the appropriate word just how much the human body and its functions and its liquids in all of their forms are really a normal recurring part of the show. We we see menstrual blood multiple times. There it is on TV and that has been a part of my life. I've never seen it joked about on television. And yeah. you see vomit. Mm-hmm. She vomits all over herself yeah. and dances and I don't like that part because... Yeah. It's vomit. You and see semen, which is really gross. You see semen in a pool. In a pool. And it's her cousin. I hated. I don't like seeing semen. Me Full neither. stop. Yeah. Um. And um. Her horniness. She won't just. You know, like when she starts dating Connor and they get to make out. She's so clueless about. Not even just sex, but like sensuality Mm -hmm. and keeping things like a normal human pace as opposed to like an animalistic pace. She she licks eyebrows and sucks noses. Yeah, there's so much face licking in this show. Straddles Connor's face while she like still has her pants and panties on and just starts humping his face thinking that Mm -hmm. that is oral sex because she Mm -hmm. doesn't actually know what what to sit on someone's face means. Yeah. And um, something I really loved in season two was there's a great opening. She's watching porn, but she just starts critiquing it. And it takes her out of the moment. She can't stay in this moment watching this porn. And she's she's humping her pillow. Mm-hmm. You know, she she's like this animal who, yeah. who's got all of this insane pent up, you know, mm-hmm. sexual desire and sexual aggression almost. And then and then she'll barf and do a dance. Yeah. Like, so that's what I mean by of the body. Like, we're not we don't forget for a second that like human bodies are gross. <laughs> that's true. And, and I guess I do appreciate the inclusion of those things because yeah, like you said, I mean, it's not just period blood, but it's anything gross having to do with sex. We're usually shielded from, except for in a comedic context. And I guess obviously this is a comedy, so that still does count. But like, if you think about any movie sex scene, especially like, you know, a romantic movie that's aimed at women of a certain age where it's like, oh, sensual and in the bed sheets and like a close up and like you never see any real thrusting. God knows you never see a condom. You never see any bodily fluids, not even sweat. Like, it's always just like, 
ah, and it's all very clean. It's like we never really got past the whole, I don't know, the haze code, like, and the, the lights dim, and then the next morning, you know? It's, there's, there the blanks are a little bit more filled in, but yeah. Sex is, like, really disgusting, just on a fluid level, and it doesn't get, <laughs> it doesn't get its due. <laughs> yeah, so that was just something I was thinking about watching it yeah. this time around, is like, we're not, we're, they don't really pretend that the human body isn't a part of sex and that that makes it kind of inherently a bit gross yeah oh god anyway other characters other characters well we we've mentioned the sister cynthia she's very um single-minded like you know i think it's the first episode tracy asks her what do you want from life and she says nothing this like what where do you see us in 20 years oh you know you me and mom like sitting around the dinner table except we're really old and mom's like really really old you know she she's very Christian. She very much believes everything that's been taught to her. So she's very fearful and conservative, but not in a nasty way, not in a Ronald mm. way, just in a no. wanting to keep her world safe and small way. Yeah, she's definitely absorbed all of the mom's lessons and um, is not really rebelling against any of them. However, there is kind of an interesting thing that happens because the more Tracy starts to rebel against them and she's not good at hiding it, mm -hmm. Cynthia walks in on Tracy humping Connor's face at the end of the pilot. And so Cynthia does end up catching Tracy watching porn and then Googling mm -hmm. sex and, you know, seeing <laughs> people kissing and then she mm -hmm. has an orgasm on her own. <laughs> So yeah, there is kind of this other weird journey that she goes on. It's not clear that she actually wants to lose her virginity at first, but she does kind of go on her own exploration of just kind of learning what is any of this. Mm -hmm. Not, I want to participate in this, but like there's a sort of, oh, what, what even is any of this at all? I also do love that she does end up losing her virginity an episode before Tracy loses hers, and I love how Tracy handles that. I hope that some of these episodes are online so we could play a clip when she's just like are you you know are you mad or are you surprised that that i lost mine before you and she's like no she's she's so nice and so happy for you but then she turns to the camera and she's like this is unbelievable i can't you know i've been trying since so hard since day one and she just decided uh, anyway i i definitely have had friendships like that where i was very competitive about sexual activity Ooh. back when i was younger and i thought it really meant something and it was nice of her to be able to censor her real feelings to spare her sister's feelings. Yeah, yeah, no, I found that very honest. I do like Candice a lot. Mm -hmm. Candice, Candice. She's got a boyfriend. They've got a sex life. She dresses more adult than Tracy. And she lives with her nan. Oh, <laughs> nan yeah. is disgusting. Oh, I yeah. Love <laughs> Gotta love a horny old lady. Yeah, Candice is like, you know, mixed race, you know, street smart. Mm -hmm. with her beautiful boyfriend, Aaron, and she lives with Nan, who is an old white lady who delivers such gems as, I've had more fake orgasms than I've had Cornish pasties. And I've had a lot of Cornish pasties. <laughs> Yeah, she's yeah. Great. there are many great scenes where Tracy is over at Candice's flat and on a tear about something completely paranoid and insane. And Candice and Nan will both just go, what, what the hell are you talking about? Oh, completely. <laughs> something that they achieve in season one that I do feel like kind of fades a bit in season two is the community of mm. these flats. Like, I think one of the most interesting moments, because it deals with class, mm -hmm. you know, not only are we seeing this virgin character who is first generation 
and grew up in this evangelical situation that's already very unique to television. But, you know, it's also about these, you know, lower working class people, like all banding together. And they do, you know, there's petty theft, stuff like that. There are two characters who are just perpetually pregnant and don't know who the father is. And nobody seems to have a job except maybe Tracy. She does work in a store. Mm -hmm. But there's the one episode where, I mean, you find out later they were stealing sex toys. But it (laughs) opens with Tracy and she's just talking to camera, sitting on a bench and you see the flats (laughs) in the background and there's this elaborate crime taking place where one of the pregnant women pretends that she's going into labor to distract the police Mm -hmm. while Nan and Candice and um, what's his name? Ola. They have this elaborate, you know, someone is stealing something out of an empty flat and Mm -hmm. then throwing a garbage bag down one floor and the garbage bag gets handed off and it's cutting back and forth between that and Tracy delivering a monologue about how she has dreams. Mm -hmm. I feel like they do a good job of showing that more in season one than they do in season two. Well, I feel like they kind of tie it back up together at the very end of season two. They do. And I also liked the way that she introduced the title of the show, not in the context that we would think of. Because we think, oh, chewing gum, a ruined woman, whatever. But then she says something about the community and how they stick together like chewing gum on pavement. And I thought that was really sweet. In the episode of RuPaul's podcast that she appears on, she talks about the play that this was all based on, which is called Chewing Gum Dreams. Mm And she talks about the chewing gum dreams also came from like a poem that she had written. She was doing a lot of performance art, Mm. performing a lot of poems, a lot of poetry stuff. And she was talking about like standing or sitting on like a top floor of the tower flats Mm -hmm. and looking down at people milling about wearing hoodies and Mm -hmm. how they look like hooded angels. Mm. And their wings have these different metaphors that say, you know, money and all these material things but there are other parts of their wings that say vulnerability and love and family and how like because of struggle you have to let go of those more personal and scary dreams Hmm. in order to attain like the wealth and power dreams and Mm -hmm. how the other ones fall away and get stuck to the sidewalk like chewing gum i would like to hear the actual poem i would love to that sounds amazing yeah you know fighting to get out of a situation that you're in that's not privileged you know living in the world that we live in dreaming of having more money is fine because unfortunately it's what you need to obtain what you need yeah it's unfortunately you know sometimes what you need to just obtain a sense of or or you think it's going to give you a sense of peace Mm -hmm. you know maybe if not happiness like a sense of peace but in order to work your ass off you know you do maybe develop a one-track mind you do maybe develop a more selfish outlook and you do let go of certain dreams that are just more human and and simple in order to get to the other you know materialistic dreams and it'd be great if that weren't the case (laughs) um so yeah but i like both of the chewing gum metaphors yeah the one that's both vocalized in the show and the one that she talks about in the play there's so much that we still haven't talked about. Um, we still haven't yeah. talked about a lot of the other characters. We were just talking about Candace, who's the sort of dumb on the surface friend who occasionally speaks very wise or practical things. Kind of like Maggie and Extras, actually. I think that she's a good sort of foil in that sense. It's like, yeah, she's the one who's making the most sense right now. She's just not educated. Right. And then her boyfriend, Aaron, I love. He's I love so Aaron. sweet and so wonderful. And it breaks my heart that she cheats on him in season two. 
I do not follow how the hell any of that unraveled at all. Yeah. I didn't like that. You know, in episode one, there's this subplot about, you know, Tracy's trying to have sex with Ronald and Candice is tired of having sex with Aaron because he likes to make love very gently mm-hmm. and she wants to, you know, get a little bit freakier, but Aaron is so kind. Mm-hmm. But then, it, you know, at this party, they start making out and she, she tells him that she wants him to be more assertive and to, you know, maybe like scratch her arm or something and maybe maybe bite her lip a little bit mm-hmm. and um, you can tell that they like really dig each other it's not that she wants to have hardcore like BDSM experiences with mm-hmm. other people she wants to have them with her sexy sexy man sexy sensitive man oh sexy sensitive man who's very loyal and who puts up with things like when Tracy gets kicked out of the house and moves in with them and is literally sleeping in their bed mm-hmm. and bleeding on it but yeah the fact that in season two that Candice would cheat on Aaron with his own dad can't bounce back from that with the justification being oh but he's the alpha male version of Aaron that I've always wanted it's like that's a callback to the very first episode that we have not heard since yeah come on Come on. Yeah, no, that, that was very disappointing. But I love Aaron. He has so many great moments of being like the sensitive man character. I, I always love when one of those exists in fiction or in life. And one of my favorite moments is in the first season finale. Tracy enlists him to try to seduce Ronald, who has since become engaged to her sister, Cynthia, in order to prove to Cynthia, who will not listen to Tracy, that Ronald is in fact a gay man. And so she says, hey, can I can I borrow your boyfriend? And Candace is like, no. And then he says, wait, hang on. It would be my honor to save a woman from 60 years of marriage based on a lie. And I was like, that's such a sweet and honorable thing. For him to not be all like, oh, I don't want to seem gay. That's gay. You know, there are so many men who would not be open to that. But for him to see the greater good that could come out of this act of sabotage that's based on an act of love. It was very sweet. That was really cute. Oh, and we also haven't talked about Connor, who is her love interest for Connor. most of the show. What do you think of Connor? Um, I mean, I think that he's... Uh, he's fine, but also kind of a piece of shit. Like, it's the same thing that you were talking about in our episode about The Office with the form and orderly cue, ladies. Like... This is a guy in his 20s who lives with his mother, doesn't have a job, who just writes really, really terrible poetry, who's never had a long-term girlfriend, who has no ambition. He's, it's not that he's a bad person, I don't think he has a bad soul. As I said, he means well, but he doesn't really bring anything to the table, and I actually think that that's why he's such a perfect love interest for her, because who hasn't been there? Like, thinking that this mediocre white boy is just a god and how nice of him to pay any attention to little old me. Mm-hmm. That was... I mean, I definitely yeah. identified with... I mean, God, the number of people that I've been just obsessed with since I was a child, like, all the way through, like, a couple months ago. It's just like, no, no, I'm so much better than you, dude. <laughs> well, I do like that everyone else who cares about her, who knows about their relationship, tells her this sooner than later. Yeah. Which is like, yeah, he's he's nice and we know he makes you happy, but he's really he's kind kinda, of an idiot. <laughs> they all say, yeah. Meh. Yeah, they tell the truth on that one. But I can also understand her very childish justification for wanting to stay with him. There's an opening of an episode where she's talking to Cameron, he's playing video games, mm-hmm. and she's just in her brawn panties, and she says something like, all he wants to do is lick me out and play video games. <laughs> and I get how maybe at first that would seem like all you need from a boyfriend. Oh, sure. 
That's but... the first guy to ever do that to you. I completely get it. Yeah. And Connor, you know, he is very, very sweet and patient mm-hmm. with Tracy and with the fact that she's never had penetrative sex, but would like to when things keep going wrong, oftentimes because she goes about it in a really fucked up way. She rents an Airbnb, which turns out to be the back of a freaking slaughterhouse with a mattress on the floor because Connor will get really nervous and have all kinds of strange performance anxiety before he can enter her and lose Mm -hmm. his erection. So she thinks, oh, well, how do I get him to not see me as this pure angel? Oh, I'll have a threesome. I'm going to find somebody on the internet. And so, yeah, she sets up this disgusting like threesome scenario with a psychopath. My point is, yes, Connor, nice guy, puts up with a lot, still not a great match for her. But I did like that he um, never has weird, shamey moments with her for being a virgin, because I experienced plenty of those with plenty of shitty boyfriends. Oh, no, for sure. And that's something that's so... Virginity is so tough, because, you know, most of us do aspire to lose it eventually. Yes. And it's something that, like, both options are really gross. It's really gross if somebody doesn't want to do you because you're a virgin because, oh, it's too much responsibility and it's like, oh, but then what if I'm not good or what if you become attached to me and get all clingy? And, you know, he has problems performing with her no matter how bad she wants it because he sees her. He says, you're just so pure. And the idea that people would either be put off by it or turned on by virginity, it's so gross. Like, you just want to be able to accept it as it is and not make a big deal of it one way or the other. The flip side of that is when Nan says to Tracy, uh, what's between your legs has been fermenting for 24 years. You're an asset. And she says, oh, thank you. That makes me feel so good. And it's like, <laughs> that's the grossest compliment, quote unquote, that you could possibly get. But like, I understand that it, I know what she means. But for people to, like I said, make it either a negative or a positive when it should just be neutral, it's just what has or hasn't happened to you yet in the timeline of your life. It reminds me of, we mentioned earlier that one of the stars of Crashing has a guest spot. He plays this handsome white boy who she meets while she's trying to pass out flyers for her mother's church in order to get back into her mother's good graces so that she would be allowed to move back home. And he takes her home and says some really racist, dirty talk stuff. And she freaks out and leaves. And he also feeds her the line, I've never been with a black woman before. And then, of course, when she is like dressed in this whole tribal outfit with body paint and doing this crazy chanting, his mixed race children come running through the door and his black ex-wife is like, oh, let me guess. He told you that he's never been with a black girl before. (laughs) So he's got this longstanding fetish. And that's obviously every bit as bad as someone who would say, oh I would never have sex with a black person like you don't want for your race or your sexual status or whatever to be a factor either way you just want someone to accept you as the person that you are and like you you want me or you don't but like don't fixate so much on these little things that are completely beyond my control right 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 You know, we've mentioned this a lot, obviously, the virginity thing and, you know, identifying with being a horny virgin. Like, I don't think that we see enough female horny virgins in film or television. We see horny male virgins who do incredibly weird things to try to, you know, get that taken care of. American Pie dominated our culture in an alarming way. And I kind of feel like there's this, well, there, there are myriad double standards within the patriarchal society that we live in but I kind of feel like oh virgin boys are horny and they don't want to be virgins anymore and that is natural but virgin girls are just you know frigid 
or uninterested in sex or weird or religious or there's there's got to be some reason why she is completely just chosen not to do this and it's it's someone's duty to you know try to crack that code and it's like no dude being a horny virgin who has like just anxiety around it that was really all that was going on with me i had an undiagnosed like anxiety disorder and plus pregnancy and stds are scary and they are real things and i i did date and i had boyfriends and i told them up front hey this is the situation here are things i'm okay with here are things i'm not okay with when i'm comfortable you will be the first to know and i will get there Mm -hmm. and none of them were mature enough to actually like believe me on that one because a week would go by and there would be an argument and you know maybe sometimes it was two weeks but you know time would go by and there would be an argument and i I'm just always repeating myself with men, but it's like, I told you the truth. Yeah. I'm just scared. And the more I get to know you, the less scared I will be. Yeah, don't Please don't frighten. bring it up ever again. Oh, <laughs> and God. they yeah, bring it up again. And then it would become like, a, well, fuck you then. Yeah. I am leaving all of this clothing on. Ugh. Bye. But that's so gross that <laughs> I hate it when men in real life act like teenagers in like a teen soap opera or after school special where it's like there's kissing and then there's full on fucking and there's nothing in between. Like you watch Degrassi, right? And like someone reaches for a belt buckle while they're sitting up kissing on the bed. And it's like, I'm not ready yet. And it's like, have you heard of second base guys? Have you heard of oral? Have you heard of mutual masturbation? That's like the easiest place to start. Nothing Nothing's going to happen. Not going to have a pregnancy scare, no matter how much your little virgin brain might think you will. Well, and can we also be one step more at 100? When it finally happened, I went, oh, great. I am happy to add this to the mix. Yeah. But it wasn't like, oh, now I understand what the big deal is. Yeah, no. Because physiologically speaking, it is not as fun for me. Yeah. It's not. No, of course. I think the first part in the show when she almost loses her virginity is when Connor is going down on her and she's really enjoying it. She has an orgasm and she says, okay, I'm ready now. And then he starts to enter and she goes, ow! And he says, that was just the tip. She's like, oh, whatever, just do the licking thing again. That was good. That was good for me. And I was like, yeah, that's nothing wrong with that. And, And I love how he just immediately complies. He's like, yeah, okay. Like, of course, you're damn lucky to be eating this beautiful girl out. Cha, I would high five you if we were in the same room. I know. And also like, oh God, we're getting, I'm getting. No one, like a woman, I feel like a woman can use her words to explain to a fellow woman or to a male partner, here's the difference between this sort of stimulation Mm -hmm. and this internal stimulation. And here's why maybe the internal part is not as much fun for me unless you're also doing all of these other things. Mm -hmm. No man has ever been able to explain to me what feels better about intercourse versus a freaking blowjob. Yeah. I don't know the difference on that one. Like, physically speaking, there's got to be a power thing, right? Oh, yeah. There's got to be, like, I just want to pound you to oblivion. Mm-hmm. And um, it's not as fun if you have the power and you're pleasuring me and taking me on a journey. I want to pound something. Yeah. And that's kind of like, why is your desire to pound something way more important than my desire to just like experience pleasure, sexy time yeah. and, and, and sensuality and like this, this journey. So kind of fuck like retroactively 
all of you boyfriends of mine who shamed me for not wanting to just kind of be pounded by a 19-year-old, who fucking does? Yeah. Ew. I'm glad that that has never happened to me. Like you said, this show has some very real, relatable moments, and it also has some really weird, like, whoa, you just went way off into crazy town. And one such moment in season one is when Tracy's cousin, boy Tracy, comes to visit. And at first you're like, oh, she seems so happy because they've been, like, best friends since they were little. She can't really relate to her mom or her weird uptight sister. But, like, Tracy and boy Tracy, together at last. And also, the second that we first see him, she opens the door on him and he starts singing the freaking theme from Golden Girls. So I was like, okay, this guy's clearly gay. But then, instead, he tries to have sex with her. She turns around and he is fully nude and he doesn't seem to get the message when she's like, put your clothes back on. I'm not interested in having sex with my cousin. He continues to pursue her. He's horrible. He's horrible. And then in season two, he takes them all to an orgy. (laughs) I didn't like that. I liked parts of that episode, if I'm being honest. Like, I liked her speech to them all. Again, if I I can find a clip, I'll play it. I didn't like... But I didn't like him luring her to this sex party without her consent or knowledge and then ejaculating in the pool. There's a lot of gross stuff. There's a lot of stuff about that episode that I didn't like. But I also did like her realizations about like, oh, if I wanted to, I could have sex with anyone. And that's not what it's about. Because she's at the beginning of the episode, she's been thinking, oh, nobody wants to have sex with me. Even my cousin's gone off me. We learned that that's not true. But she just thinks, you know, Ronald didn't want me. I mean, he's gay, but, you know, and then Connor couldn't get it up with me. So like, clearly nobody, nobody wants me. And I think that we can all identify with that. Like she said, like, who here has ever felt unattractive? Like that, that is something that even the most gorgeous supermodel can sometimes feel but in her case specifically it's also very heavily racial because she is the darkest skinned woman in her friend group and you know we we see a lot of really awful micro and macro aggressions against her in the course of these 12 episodes i mean they're funny and because they're from her point of view it's not uncomfortable in the same way that it would be if a you know white man were writing this show but you get to live inside her skin in that sense anyway she goes to this orgy and she's like constantly doing her funny you know physical comedy of like here i am like someone hit on me please And she's feeling so distraught that nobody wants to have sex with her. And then she finally sees this list of rules and it says men cannot approach women. And she's like, oh my God, so I could just like snap my fingers and have sex with any guy here. Oh, great. I can have sex with everyone if I want to. But I don't want to. That's the thing. Yes. That was very empowering, actually. That was one of my favorite moments of season two and maybe of the whole series. Speaking of speeches and the other Boy Tracy episode, you know, she's freaking out on Boy Tracy. And then she starts, there's like a really chaotic scene where she also starts yelling at a lot of people in the house when Cynthia eats all of the booze, chocolates, and gets drunk. She's on a tear. She's screaming at everybody. Mm -hmm. And she's, you know, very, very empowered. And she kind of addresses people one by one. And then she addresses Boy Tracy minutes after he's put his clothes back on. Mm -hmm. But he sends her like a dick pic at the dinner table yeah and she has the line boy tracy you cannot fuck your cousins and he says it's legal in the uk and she doesn't falter she's still just as angry and knowing she's in the right but i love the way she says well i did not know that and i'm kind of like yeah that's that's my reaction too your factoid about what's legal has changed my opinion on this subject None at all whatsoever. Yeah, here's the thing. Legality and morality are two separate matters. There's there's an overlap. There's a Venn diagram to be drawn, but good God. I mean, there are so many things that you can do that are legal, that are sexually questionable and disgusting. Oh, yeah. 
For example, at the end, when Tracy finally does lose her virginity to a boy in her book club who totally seduces her and she seems to have a pretty good time of it until she realizes in the middle that he is in school and that he is 16. In the UK, the age of consent is 16. In America, federally, it's 18. It varies state by state. I... I am gross. Like, just because it's legal to have sex with a 16-year-old in the UK, I don't think that makes it any less gross. In fucking Canada, the age of consent is 14. That doesn't make it okay to have sex with a 14-year-old. Unless that's changed in the years since I looked it up. But, you know, you know, Alanis Morissette's song, her whole, all of her early work, everyone's like, who's this mystery man that that it was supposed to be about? Like, she was in a relationship with some guy in, like, his late 20s, early 30s or something when she was fucking 14. Not illegal in Canada, but fucking should be. You can't back the tell fuck me up. That, yeah. Hold on. So first of all, I've heard that Jagged Little Pill is largely about Uncle So and So in Full House. Yeah, I think that's who we're thinking of. Okay, and not Jesse. Obviously. No, no. Um, Dave Coulier is that his name? That's what I've heard. Yeah, but I forgot what his character's name was. Uncle. I've never watched Full House. I only know him as the guy who probably had sex with a not legally underage in Canada, but in the USA, underage Alanis Morissette. Wait, 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 wait. That's what I've heard. I'm just saying. Those experiences on that incredible album. Don't let it ruin it. Are about what? (laughs) Wait, she was. What? Yeah. Wait, how fucking old was she when that album fucking came out? 20 years ago. She she was like 18, 19, or 20 when the album came out, but it was based on, like, she had a long-standing relationship. Maybe it started when she was 14 or 15 or something. I just know that... I mean, okay, also remember in her third major album, um, what's it called? That that song, Hands Clean, about, like, you know, don't go telling everybody and overlook this supposed crime. Like, there's... There's definitely a lot of... Wait, the one that she's like, you've washed your hands clean of this? Flash forward? Wait, okay. I don't really remember much of the lyrics aside from that that hook. What what else did she say? The chorus is, ooh, this could be messy. Ooh, but I don't seem to mind. Ooh, don't go telling everybody and overlook this supposed crime. We'll fast forward to a few years later and no one knows except the both of us. And I have honored your request for silence and you've washed your hands clean of this. Fucking statutory rape. Maybe, depending on where you are in the world. Just, yes. Just don't fuck children, everybody. Children is anyone, let's say for our purposes, anyone under 20. If you're over 20, don't have sex with anyone under that age. Uh, yeah, you ought to know. Who? Jesus. Ew! Ew, man! Ew! What? 14? No, I know. You are very much a child. And here's the thing. 16 is different from 14. Every age of a teenager is so different because you're still very much developing as a person, not just physically, but mentally. And like you still, I I forget, you're not fully done with your adolescence until you're like 25. So even 20 is being very generous with the age of consent that I've just invented for everybody to use as like an honor (laughs) rule. But yeah, I mean, I've always, honestly... You know, we've been talking about, like, our respective reasons for staying virgins so long. Uh, you, you know, 20. I was 20. It's not so long. But in our culture, like, it felt, every day, it felt like it was getting more of a heavy burden that I needed to, you know, have someone relieve me of. But, you know, I did have a boyfriend in high school, and I just really felt 
creepy about being legally a child and living under my parents' roof. Maybe if I had a shittier relationship with my parents, it would have been different. Not that I'm saying that everybody who's sexually active in high school hates their parents. That's not what I'm saying. But I feel like there have been studies about how kids who are very close to their parents are a little bit less likely to, I don't, I don't know. So yeah, I feel like even if the law says that you can have sex with a 16-year-old, if you're still going to school... I just find that so creepy. Even if, you know, I mean, I have a summer birthday, so I graduated high school when I was still 17. But like, even if I had one of those birthdays where I turned 18 during the school year, I don't, I don't want to, like, I wouldn't want to, as an adult, have sex with someone who was still in high school just because the law says it's okay. Well, I suppose this is just kind of another example of, you know, things you and I have talked about, about how there are things that are legal or things that are acceptable that are acceptable to a point, but then you know, gross people corrupt them. Like, you know, age of consent, whether it's (laughs) 14, I I really, I don't know about that one, folks. Dude, Um, 16 or 18, it's like, I understand how two consenting 16-year-olds should be able to choose to have sex with each other without there being any sort of consequences. Like, that's kind of more of what I'm thinking. If you are 16 and maybe your your partner is 17, but you have chosen that you want to have sex with your fellow teenage partner who is 16 and over, like that I get. But I don't like how, you know, an age of consent suddenly can pervert itself into being carte blanche for old ass that, people that is what, to prey upon but that's teenagers. that's what the age of consent is. Like, I don't think that any two 15-year-olds who have sex with each other are going to be arrested in the United States. Like, that's not what it's about. It's about protecting children from predators and saying anybody over this no, line. No, but isn't... And also there are... I, but, I mean, it might depend on the state, but, like, I think that if you're within a year or within two years, like, let's say that, oh, I'm with my longtime boyfriend and he just turned 18 and I'm still 17. Like, there, there are exceptions... Well, well, yeah, I, did, I mean, I did say teenagers. Yeah. But like if two 15-year-olds in the United States have sex at their parents' house and they get caught, do their parents get in trouble legally? No. Like that's, Because that who's going to, oh. no. Even though it's illegal? What if what if the girlfriend's parents that sue because it, that was... It's not illegal. Age of consent is about who... Okay, now I need to look this up because I'm pretty sure the age of consent is the age at which a person can give their consent to have sex with somebody that... Hang on. I really thought that it was about protecting people from predators. Hang on, is the age of consent? Well, if that's the case, you gotta consider legally competent to consent to sexual acts. Consequently, an adult who engages in sexual activity with a person younger than the age of consent cannot claim that the sexual activity was consensual, and such sexual activity may be considered child sexual abuse or statutory rape. La, la, la. The person below the minimum age is regarded as the victim, and their sex partner regarded as the offender, unless both are underage. Oh, unless both are underage. Yeah, the purpose okay, well, of setting an age of consent is to protect an underage person from sexual advances. Okay, so I was right. Yeah, it's not like people are being like, oh, I don't want, we don't want teenagers to have sex with each other. It's like, no, you can't cross this line, creepy old perv. And so the line is set at 14? Yep. You see my confusion? I mean, honestly, that? like, <laughs> if I showed you a picture of me at 14, like, I looked like a child with just, like, really bad hair. <laughs> That's, like... There are girls who don't even have their periods at 14. That's so fucking gross. I know. Whoa. Dude, I remember, uh, I think a year ago, Dane Cook posted a photo of him at age, I think he's 46, with his new girlfriend who was 19. 
And um, he posted this really, you know, the lady me thinks sort of comment on the post about like, oh yeah, now it's everybody's term to shame me for dating somebody significantly younger than me, even though they don't know my girlfriend and they don't know how mature and amazing she is. <laughs> and how immature and shitty I am. I mean, that is kind of, I'm just like, I look at that girl and I go, I blame you for none of this. Oh no, of course. You are 19 and you are stupid and inexperienced as the smartest of us all were. Completely. It's not even to do with intelligence. It's, no, it's, no, it's, it's naivete. Just, it's, yeah. Yeah. And um, this man, he can legally have sex with you, but he is still completely taking advantage of you. A hundred percent. Oh my God. I just, I don't understand how it's so normalized in our culture. We've gone off on a really nasty little tangent here, but... Um, but... But, Good. well, so so in Tracy's case, I mean, she obviously wasn't taking advantage of this guy who had clearly had a lot of sexual experience before. She wasn't traumatizing him in any way, regardless of the legality. It turns out that it was fine. But she tearfully takes herself into a police station to confess to her supposed crime. I just accidentally quoted the Alanis Morissette song. <laughs> Overlook this supposed crime. crime. Anyway. <laughs> but, um, but anyway, uh... she... She confesses, and the policewoman who's taking her confession says, this, this is not illegal. Wasting police time is illegal, but it's not illegal to have sex with someone who's 16. So, yeah, in her case, it's fine. But generally, ew. 16. So young. So gross. Since you bring up that episode, mm -hmm. did you also find it disappointing that Tracy finally has penetrative sex, and not only does she not even react at all out of pain, which, hello... You kind of would. But she also just kind of takes it from behind and sings a silly song. Like, this is what the entire first season was centered on. And we were all rooting for her so, so very much. And then we finally get to see her lose it. And I understand that it would be, you know, lame and old school to have it be this transformative experience. Because sure. at the end of the day, that's that's a fantasy that's a weird bullshit thing yeah. um but it's like no, no no this is motherfucking trace like she's doing it with a attractive dude and it's no thing at all yeah i kind of went huh that's after all that and maybe that was the point i don't I know it, i think it might have been but she doesn't even have a moment of self-reflection like oh after all that it's just a bunch of people kind of grunting well, I a think... bunch of people. It's two people. <laughs> a bunch of people. Well, it could have been a bunch of people if she'd done it at that sex party uh, or with. Oh, thank God! Yeah, walk before you can run. That's smart. But I mean, I think that that probably was the point because I remember when I lost my virginity, I was like, "Oh, that's what people were giving me such a hard time for," and what I was giving myself such a hard time for was not having experienced this amazing thing that was like, "Okay, take it or leave it. That's, that's nothing special. All right." didn't feel like a different person. The only thing that was different was that I could finally stop worrying about whether or not it was ever going to happen. I think that that was part of it because I think that the construct of virginity is, as we said, extremely sexist. And the way that people, you know, society and laws and parents try to control women's sexuality, like, you know, Tracy's mother won't let her and her sister use tampons until they're married like that's i guess given that it really should have hurt more for her yes. although it's possible i don't know earlier when she was going to try to have sex with connor and then she said ow i mean not everybody has a you know a hymen that bleeds not everybody experiences pain the first time vaginas don't actually get looser 
with more use as we hear in the show. So, you know, if you're sufficiently ready for it and you're lubed up and you're turned on, there's no reason that it needs to hurt the first time. I wish that somebody had actually told me about that when I was first. Uh... Did it not hurt? No, no, I'm just saying that, like, I just kind of assumed that it all had to and was supposed to hurt for, like, until, you know, there's just, like, X amount of dicks that they're, they're not actually separate dicks, but, like, X amount of times that I need to have penetrative sex before it stops hurting and starts getting good. And oh, like, yeah, screw that. Yeah, but, like, I, not that I was growing up in, like, the sexual dark ages, but there's obviously a lot more information out now than there was, like, 10 years ago, and... Mm -hmm. I just didn't know that it didn't have to be that painful with my first partner and that it was like, if I'm experiencing pain, it is okay and actually very good to say stop and to, you know, figure out something else or to say like, I need more lubrication. I need more foreplay. I need to not be doing this right now, please. You know, when we tell young women that, you know, sex is bad and immoral and dirty and painful and dangerous, and also it's definitely going to hurt for a while, it just it just gives boys license to be terrible lovers and to not care about our feelings because it's supposed to be painful and it's not supposed to be painful. Uh, no, that's so true. But also, I think that she gets, you know, disrupted in the moment by believing that she has committed statutory rape. So it's there isn't really time for her to be reflective of like, oh, now I'm a woman. I just had this really big transition. It's more like, oh, God, I did something terrible. I corrupted a youth and now I'm going to go to prison. Mm -hmm. So that freak out sort of preempted any womanly reflections that she might otherwise be having, I'm sure. I remembered what I wanted to say. Okay, go for talking it. Talking about this construct of virginity being yeah. a thing. So remember in Hocus Pocus, there's all kinds of references to virginity. Oh my God, they give Max so much shit for it. I was like seeing that when I was seven and I was like, uh, it's normal for a teenage boy to be a virgin. That's a good thing. <laughs> and he's like a younger teenage boy, right? I don't know. Maybe I maybe he's a senior or like a junior. Yeah, but there's, you know, the black flame candle has to be lit by by a virgin. Yeah. Even his little sister Danny gives him shit for being a virgin. It's like He's a virgin. <laughs> yeah. And the cop, you're a virgin, like all that stuff. So so that movie came out, I was very little. Yeah. I watched it a lot. And, you know, when I had asked my mother, where do babies come from? Because mm. Michael showed up. She told me the man does this and the woman, you know, but she didn't tell me that is called sex and people also do it for fun. Uh, yes. Like she didn't bother explaining that to her three-year-old, mm -hmm. um, which is fine. <laughs> so I was not making the connection that this movie that I kept watching, you know, mm -hmm. I, I asked my mom, like, what's a virgin? Mm -hmm. And she said, it's someone who's never had sex. Mm -hmm. But I wasn't piecing together that sex was was that <laughs> and it was like I had a lot of information I just did not understand that it was all part of the same pie <laughs> like I knew there was something called sex that was bad and there was a daddy putting his dick in a mommy and making a baby <laughs> and that there was a virgin and that was somehow a bad thing but it was also a magical thing like I had all of that info at once but didn't oh understand how it all connected I'm picturing you at like this big chalkboard with like taped up there's like what is it all mean? <laughs> well, that's very much like a Tracy yeah. thing, except I was a, literally a child. Um, <laughs> and when I was in third grade, okay, so eight mm -hmm. years 
told, I still didn't have that clear picture. I knew all of this existed. I didn't know that it was all. And so a girl in my class must have already, I mean, this question is very revealing because I feel like I can't be alone in this weird conspiratorial what does it all mean thing. Because I remember she and I were both going up to our teacher's desk to pick up a worksheet or something. And she looks at me and she goes, are you a virgin? Whoa. We're eight. We're eight. And so that's why I say in retrospect, she couldn't possibly have known what the fuck she was talking about. She, she really I, couldn't I have. hope not. I mean, my my brain first went to like, was she molested? And that was her way of trying she to- She was smiling in like a, I'm fucking with you kind of way. Okay. She said, are you a virgin? And I didn't know what the right answer was. Ah. Because I knew <laughs> that I was one. I didn't know if I shouldn't be one. Oh. And I, I didn't know. I didn't know what any of it really meant. I knew it had something to do with Hocus Pocus. Oh my god. I've never lit a black flame candle and brought witches back from the dead. So no, I am emphatically not a virgin. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and so what did I say? No, what did you say? I took the absolute most after-school special approach and I said, that is none of your business. Wow, that's very enlightened of you. I was eight. That's the perfect way to get out of a tough question and it's also the correct answer. But the answer was also no, you idiot, I'm eight. Well, no, the answer was also yes, you idiot, I'm eight. Oh, wait, you're right. (laughs) As in like, no, of course not, you idiot. Yes. God, who's the idiot? I plead blonde. Um, But... Yeah, I was like, that is none of your business. And then I, although I, I didn't say it like that, I'm sure I said, that's none of your business because this is how I sounded at age eight. Aww. And yeah, I, I walked back to my desk and she giggled and ran over to a desk of boys <laughs> and like told them what I said. And oh it left me very, very confused. But that bitch also screamed at me, I can see your training bra like months later. Oh. So she can suck a well, dick. She's terrible. Wait, okay, just thinking of, like, revealing ourselves to be virgins when we were in school. So, like I said, I was always really creeped out by the idea of not being a virgin before I turned 18 and moved out of my parents' house. I was always like, college, it'll happen in college, that's fine. And then once I was in college and it wasn't happening, that's when the panic came in. But I never felt any shame for being a virgin in high school, because that was, like, my choice, and I felt that it was the correct choice for me. But, like, in hindsight, I realized that, like, obviously teenagers were a lot more sexually active than my naive little brain was giving them credit for. I just sort of assumed that everybody was like me and my closest friends and nobody was getting laid. And I remember one time we were at comedy sports practice and remember the game Laugh Out where you have to not laugh. Like anytime anybody is doing a scene and it gets a laugh, it needs to end. And so we were trying to do like dramatic scenes. You remember this? And I was, so I was thinking like, okay, like I'm going to be, I'm going to be pregnant. But like, I didn't, because I wasn't sexually active, I had no sense of like how long it would take to become pregnant or to realize that I was pregnant, like being a week or two late with my period. But I just, I came in and I said like, all seriousness, hey, um, so remember last night I'm pregnant? (laughs) And everybody laughed. But I didn't understand why they laughed until, like, years later. (laughs) But, I mean, I remember witnessing that scene unfold. And I think, were you told you're telling someone you just found out you're pregnant? No, that was just me thinking, like, what's the most dramatic thing that'll not make anybody laugh? Because it's serious. Okay, because... (laughs) 
Oh, I mean, at the time, although I realize now this is still just as naive, I remember at the time being like, well, what if she was going to tell him that the condom broke? And then I thought, well, he would have noticed that too. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. So you were already critiquing my logic. You were much more advanced than I was. No, I was on your side. I was like, oh, but no, she might be calling to tell him that the condom broke and that she might be pregnant oh, and that no, you're he right. needs to come with her to the freaking Oh, okay, thing. I'm glad that you were on my side because, like, yeah, it, yeah, he would have felt the condom broke. But yeah, yeah, that's... He totally like, very, have, very soon. I didn't know that at the time. <laughs> I didn't know that. Oh, God, there is a fake male orgasm in season two of this show that made me think of you in our previous conversations about said topic. <laughs> Thanks to uh, the movie Short oh Bus, God. directed by oh John God. Cameron Mitchell. <laughs> oh my God! Oh yes, so a funny. man, a man faking uh, faking an orgasm because Cynthia's being so weird about the whole thing. But Cynthia has a giant orgasm. But was that not fake? It seemed fake, but it could just be an acting choice. You know what? It did seem fake. But when she said, "I just did a big cum," which is funny, yeah. um, I thought, "Oh, maybe." Maybe she did, or maybe because she's doing everything like by like a cosmopolitan magazine or something. Yeah, I very much assume you know, it was she... fake, but oh, okay, yeah, I thought it was fake, but then I wasn't sure. Yeah, she's doing everything alarmingly by the book. I would like a cup of wine. <laughs> okay, now we're going to do this. Like she outlines absolutely everything, but I do kind of like how there was a message in there about saying what you need and and what you want mm-hmm. as as a lady, which is really. Spoiler alert, kind of the only way to have good penetrative sex with a with a man. Yeah. Is if you tell him exactly what to do. Yeah. You're kinda no one no one really preps you for that. No, it's true. And like I was saying earlier, the thing about how I feel so cheated of my early sexual experiences because I was always taught that they were supposed to be painful. The language yes. surrounding virginity is so violent and that is on display so much and so well in this series like oh my god I'm trying I wish that I'd written down all of the different ways that like our normal ways of talking about sex like destroying someone or like smashing or pounding like just everyday euphemisms for sex are all really violent or the thing about like split my bum cheeks and like I want for his dick to like get up all in my guts and come out of my mouth like it's just it's always just even the word penetration the other side of that coin which is maybe less violent but just as dramatic is like we are merged as one Mm. it's like no we're not yeah you're uh one one part of you has merged with one part of me and any other connection i feel is is in my brain yeah it's interesting it either has to be very overly sentimental and romantic and exaggerated and cheesy or it has to be devoid of emotion and very yeah just disgusting and violent and i don't know we are we have we all have a very weird relationship to sex and well dude and kind of thus thus situations like tracy's or or you and me or anybody of of any gender who's ever just been like i really kind of need to figure out how i feel about all this before i engage Mm -hmm. and how that's like no that makes you so weird and it's like is is it also not weird to try to like inflict your you know your your libido is not some sort of 
excuse. You know, just because you are very horny and want to engage in said activities, you are going to like let that be the letter of the law and tell anybody who has somewhat different feelings about engaging in a certain activity yeah. like no you're wrong because this is human this is what we're here to do oh. this is the most human thing a person could possibly do i'm like so shitting and pissing <laughs> leave me alone yeah <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah i know i mean if, if you're horny you got two hands and you know what clap your hands <laughs> stop stop That's great. <laughs> That's... <laughs> if I ever hear that song again, which I know I will, and it will probably be in the presence of small children, I'm going to think of that, and it's going to be your fault. <laughs> <laughs> I won't act accordingly. I'll just clap. There are but... there are many, many things that I uh, see and experience, and I think of you, and then I laugh, and it's Ooh, your wait, fault. wait, like what? Nothing, nothing comes to mind at this exact moment, oh, okay. but, you know. Um, shag, Mary kill time, methinks? Yes. Who is included? I was thinking we could do boys and girls. Okay. So for boys, Ronald, Connor, and Aaron. That's oh. very easy for me. Mary, Aaron, fuck Connor, kill Ronald. Same. There's no wiggle room there, I think. Aaron is so attractive and so sweet and... He's a perfect a, man. He's the perfect man. And again, very disappointing in season two because I feel like I've watched a lot of movies and TV shows where, not to advocate for the practice of infidelity, but where you can kind of see how a character that you love has made the decision to cheat on their partner. Yeah. Whether you think it was the quote right or smart thing to do is up to you. But you know, there are plenty of moments in in Mad Men or Sex in the City or in any of the shows that we referred to, popular shows where you, yeah, you yeah. love these people and, you know, they willingly engage in, in an act of infidelity and you can go, shit, but all right, I saw that coming and I understand. This yeah. was not one of them, especially because in that pilot episode where she says, I wouldn't mind you being a little bit rougher in the bedroom, start with a scratch, he takes instruction. So yeah. I'm kind of going, well, what went wrong along the way? Because Aaron seems so completely game to do yeah. that for you. Yeah, that was disappointing, especially because Candace and Aaron seemed to fill the role of token stable couple. Yeah. And that's something that is true. There there are a lot of other examples throughout. Like, like okay, for example, in Friends, Ross and Rachel were on again, off again, will they, won't they? But once Chandler and Monica got together, like that was a secure thing and you knew that they're together forever because they're the secondary ones. Or like... um. I don't know, in any rom-com, the secondary couple is always the secure, stable couple. Mm. Harry and Sally's friends, you know, Carrie Fisher and what's his name. Once they get together, no drama. And so I was disappointed to see the dissolution of the stable couple when they were both such cool people who seemed to have such a fun time together. But... Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, well. So then are we thinking like Tracy, Candice, and... Cynthia? Ooh. Okay, this one's complicated. Any initial thoughts? Well, I love Tracy. I don't know if I want to have sex with her or commit my life to her, but I can't kill her. You know, that's kind of what's swirling in my head at the moment. I feel like I would marry her out of these three because she's the only one that I could have a semi-intelligent conversation with. Cynthia is too weird, and Candace is cool, but also kind of stupid in the same way that, like, Tracy says when she's talking to the camera in one of the early episodes, Candace is the, the prettiest girl on the block, whatever, but we can be friends because she's so dumb, mm. so I'm not threatened. I think I'd fuck Candace. 
kill Cynthia and marry Tracy. I think I'm with you. Tracy'd be a fun time. I think I'm with you because at the end of the day, Tracy has an incredible heart. She's someone who I do wonder what she could be capable of if she could get out of where she currently is. Yeah. Okay, those are good options. American equivalent? Anything come to mind? Um, not really. Do you have any ideas? No, because again, like something that has always stuck with me about the show is I've not seen anything like this. I've seen coming of age stories. I've seen zany family comedies and I've seen, you know, like Master of None comes to mind where you are addressing the first generation immigrant experience. But for everything to kind of converge you know like i said not only is she an older virgin she's a she virgin who wants to not be a virgin and there is so much there because again a point that we're kind of hammering home is like it's different for a man to be a virgin than it is for a woman to be a virgin you know Mm -hmm. it's sort of like oh he's a virgin and he doesn't want to be naturally but you know oh she's a virgin she's holding on to it until she meets her husband it's like no bullshit i'm horny and i've been dating the wrong person for six years and my mom's an evangelical christian this is completely circumstantial and i really want to have sex with someone yeah you know i really like seeing that i like that you know she's you know this this Michaela Cole person hats off to her and when she when she won her BAFTA in 2016 it was presented to her by Idris motherfucking Elba which is mm. like so wonderful if you YouTube her okay. acceptance speech you get to see him say like Michaela Cole from chewing gum and you're like oh oh my god <laughs> and I just imagine you know her character Tracy like how thrilled Tra- Tracy would be to like yeah. have her name <laughs> said out loud by Idris fucking Elba she runs up there and you know her speech is very just kind of very straightforward you know she mm-hmm. doesn't cry and do the whole thing and even if she was surprised she doesn't you know fucking act like it and lose her breath or anything the oscars Mm -hmm. air today um and she you know she says like if you look like me or if you're just someone who feels a little bit different you are beautiful embrace it you are intelligent embrace it you are powerful embrace it thank you and you know it wasn't overly didactic but it got that point home of like I'm the only one here. I've had to create this vehicle for my damn self. And I did it. And now I'm holding a motherfucking BAFTA. And I'm not going to be smug about it. I'm not going to, you know, say anything over the top. But what now? Leave the stage. It's like, I love you. I mean, honestly, in... (sighs) I I kind of have an answer, but, like, I'm afraid it's racist. But just in terms of, like, the particulars of the show, not so much the tone of the show, kind of like how when we were talking about Gimme, Gimme, Gimme before you came up with your Incredible Girls comparison, I was like, oh, the only thing that I can think of with, like, a redheaded straight woman and a gay man is Will and Grace. Right. But, like, Issa Rae's Insecure is another thing that is created by and starring a black woman And she talks to the camera and she also, both characters, you know, even though Issa is not a virgin, she is, you know, insecure. I think that the original web series title was like The Adventures of Awkward Black Girl or something like that. Yeah. And, and they also both rap to themselves. Mm -hmm. Like there's, there's just a certain quality in the characters and in the structure of the show and just in the fact of like, what other shows are created by a black woman who also then stars in them and it's very much specifically from their point of view yeah but like but this is also just a lot more bonker balls insecure very much more takes place in the real world there's also not the same wealth disparity um in insecure she's a little bit older and like more established in her life 
Uh, and it also deals a lot more with race in like a very real way. Whereas chewing gum, there are certain little sly lines here and there that are like, oh, that's clever. And that definitely shows what you have to go through. But also at the end of the day, it is sort of a very harmonious multiracial thing where you have like, there's also a lot of white people there who are part of the gang and it's all, they're all cool together. But it's not so much the case in Insecure. You know what? I actually kind of like that comparison for every reason that you mentioned, because I mean, how, you know, we know that the token black person in comedies, like in the nineties or wherever, like the token black person is often very cool. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just just says like some commentary about how, you know, the confused white person is dumb. And like, that's all we hear from them. And so this is more relatable and it's, you know, it's it's way better material. But, you know, they, they do share in common. They had to create the vehicles for themselves. Um, but no, I think it's a fair comparison. And I do think that while Issa is not living in like, you know, the Tower Hamlets, she Project, does... Yeah you know, have to quit her job working for a non-profit, which pays shit to begin with. And she's, you know, in the last season, we saw her driving a lift and we saw her becoming an apartment manager so she could live somewhere for free. And and so, you know, it does address income inequality in the 21st century in a way that a lot of other shows often choose to ignore. So, yes, I like that. And I can't wait. Insecure is coming back and it's about damn time. (gasps) Oh, good, good, good. Mm-hmm. Oh man. So are we are we feeling good? Are we ready to spit out this flavorless gross piece of used chewing gum and move on with our lives? Okay. Uh so real talk, when I was a very, very small little girl, speaking of weirdos, speaking of women oh who do weird ass things cool. and speaking of chewing gum at restaurants i would climb underneath the table and pick chewing gum from underneath the table and put it in my mouth and emerge chewing gum wow and my parents would be like you slut okay shit <laughs> what the fuck stephanie and my mom oh my would God. have a freak out about germs and like convince herself that <laughs> I had some sort of life-threatening illness and my father would have to be like, we are at a Mimi's cafe. It probably was in the mouth of a blue-haired old lady. Don't not sleep tonight because our very, very little girl is kind of weird and and just fucking did that oh man just out if you can even remember did any of them have flavor i don't remember the act of doing this i was just told because you know the memory is like seared in in my parents you know collective memory forever but um no no i was i was just kind of a weird weird little kid well and a girl and i'm glad you grew up (laughs) into the the weird woman i see before me on my screen don't change I, i I would never put anybody else's chewing gum in my mouth. Well, you know, don't don't kink shame here. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. Um, do you know what we're watching next? Yeah, I never next do. Is Black Books? So oh, yeah, that'll be a fun one. Bernard. Oh no, it's gonna be a thirsty episode for me. I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, that's great. I mean, it, it's. Very fitting in a way that we're following up our horny virgin episode with something that will bring out our inner horny virgins. Like they're ever that far from the first surface. What the hell am I even saying? 
That is awesome. So, hey, uh, keep tweeting us and uh, adding us on Instagram at Anglo Podcast. We're also on Facebook. Just search for Anglophilia. Uh, you can submit uh, messages to us at our website, anglophiliapodcast.com, or shoot us an email at anglophiliapodcast at gmail.com. And if you want to, if you're feeling in like a really super generous mood and you want to throw a couple bucks our way, you can go to our Patreon page. Um, it's probably on one of our things that Stephanie just said. Don't listen to me. Listen to her. She's the smart one here. <laughs> you can absolutely um, find that on our website. It's, it's under every, every episode note. Yes. Yeah, she's, she's the techie among us. Um, in the meantime, <laughs> it's a low bar for you to clear. <laughs> um, well, y- but you're also the techie among us. You edit this thing. Kaylee edits That's... this thing, bruv. Aw, thank you. Thank you for the shout out. You do. Aw. I don't. Oh, yes, I don't fucking do it. Okay, but you're you're the one. I do things on GarageBand. You do everything else to do with the internet, and together, we we stick together like chewing gum and pavement, or a or a gross table at a cafe. Yes. No, let's go with pavement. That's less offensive, I guess. I like that very much. All right. Well, uh, <laughs> I'm gonna go and uh, prune my kumquat. <laughs> Oh god, I am totally gonna go tear a fuck ton of kumquats right off that bush. <laughs> Makes it sound like you're talking about mine. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye, everybody. <laughs>